what I want to do at this point is, you know, so we learned really the, the, the principles of how to disarm defenses, okay? But the thing is, as Christians, everyone immediately assumes we're judgmental. I mean, that's what Hollywood says, what the media says. I mean, I, I said to you last night, at, after a gay pride parade, me just holding this book, they were offended by they were telling me I was, I was being judgmental. I said, what am I doing that's judgmental? And one lady said, you're holding that book. I was like, you can't even tell what this book is. There's nothing on it that says what it is. I'm covering that. It was holding it in my hand like this. I was like, how can a book, a black book, be offensive? You don't know what it is. For all you know, it could be the Book of Mormon. Oh, wait, no, those are blue. Those are blue, sorry. Um, so... This is the thing. Everyone's going to expect that we are being judgmental. Now, I, I like to take that away, by the way, from them. There's two things I love to, to tell people when, when they start judging because they don't recognize they judge. I let them know they're judging, and I ask them why they're intolerant. I had one woman that told me that uh, I like to go to parks to evangelize because people are just hanging out, and, the, and the, they'll talk. I had one woman that thought it was wrong for me to be at the park, and, and so I just, I was like, well, why? And, and she said, well, you're, you're forcing your beliefs on me. I said, actually, I'm not. You could walk away. And no one's holding you here. She goes, well, you shouldn't be doing this here. I said, ma'am, do you believe that me being here is wrong? She said, yes. I said, that's so intolerant of you. She goes, I can't be intolerant. I said, ma'am, you're forcing your beliefs on me. No, I'm not. I said, yeah, because you actually want me to stop. I'm not telling you you have to stay here. I'm not telling you you have to listen. But you want me to stop not only talking to you, but talking to anybody. You're forcing your beliefs on me. That's judgmental. <laughs> I enjoy doing that. It's really kind of funny because the, 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 the culture we live in does not even, it doesn't even sink into their brains that they could be judgmental, that they could be intolerant, that they could be bigoted, Okay. It is, it's crazy to logical thinking people. And Christians may be the only ones left like that soon. By the way, uh, Nazi Germany, Hitler wanted to create his own Christianity for a reason. He needed to get rid of genuine Christians that believed in absolute morality <clears throat> because he couldn't bring everything else in that he was going to try to do with an absolute standard of morality. Sound familiar? Sounds like America. So, so the thing is, we don't want to be called out as being judgmental. What do I do? I use the law of God. I use the law of God as a mirror into their soul so that they could see how they stand before God on Judgment Day. The advantage of this, especially when I do open-air evangelism, and I said to you last night, right, I have two goals in open-air evangelism, share the gospel clearly, un unwatered down in any way, and to get one professing atheist telling the professing atheist to shut up. Yeah, the publisher in the book watered that down too much. It was like, I think they, I think they had me saying like, that I want one unbeliever to tell another unbeliever to be quiet. No, that's not how it's said. <laughs> but you know, I was outside of, I did a tour through the Ivy Leagues, and we'd stand on their campuses, and, and I was at um, Yale University. I'm outside of, of Yale where they have these buses, and a woman had just come up. I had, been, I had been doing open air for about 40, 45 minutes, 
and a woman comes up to me and just goes, you're a bigoted, homophobic, blankety-blank. By the way, I guess with that, I should, I should since I'm saying blankety-blank, I should make a public apology <laughs> for hundreds of years. So I thought that that video that we played last night cut the foul language, and it didn't. And that was not intended, so sorry about that. I thought that I cut it shorter. Um, I thought that was cut out. That was not intended to, to put foul language without, you know, should have been out. So forgive me for that. But she's calling me all these names, and she had just walked up. Here's the thing I was able to do. I turned to the crowd of people that were there, and I said, folks, you have been listening to me for over 40 minutes. Have I judged any of you? And in unison, they all sh shouted, No which was not what this woman was expecting from a bunch of non-believers. I, I was like, have I said anything about homosexuality? And they all said, no. She wasn't going to give up, though. <laughs> and and the, actually, two people in the crowd got a little bit too much on my side because <laughs> they actually got in her face about it. <laughs> and she actually, I, I don't know if it was her bus or not, but she actually backed up into a bus when it showed up. <laughs> I hope that was the bus she wanted. Um, <laughs> I've had a couple times where I've thought fights were going to break out in front of me when I was do, doing open air. Um, I'm glad that they never occurred with me. One did occur. It didn't involve me, but one actually did break out, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But uh, I had once where I was with a professor at NYU, New York University. We were preaching outside there. I love preaching out there. Uh, you get all the intellectual types. At, at Washington Square Park, and then I take a 10-block walk up to Union Square, and I get guys in tutus dancing in front of me. It's great. And then just the, the change, you know, you get everything there. And I had a, a professor, he was a Buddhist, uh, and he was arguing with me, and, and we were discussing whether we're saved by works or faith, and I said, Buddhism teaches that you're saved by works. He says, no, it doesn't. I said, how do you get to do to a better next life? He says, based on the things you do in this one. I said, folks, does that sound like works? Everyone was like, yeah. So he got upset. But I conducted myself in such a way that what ended up happening was the professor got upset and he walked away. Before walking away, he wanted to give me a, a, a one-finger gesture to say how proud he was of me and excited to be with me. Um, and a guy that we just call, we just refer to him as Cowboy Dude. Because he didn't give us, he refused to give us his name. But Cowboy Dude walked in from my right and just got right in the face of the professor. <laughs> Cowboy Dude was about this big. He had no shirt on. Clearly, he lifts a lot. Had a cowboy hat on. And he got right in front of, between me and the professor. And the professor was like, hey, man, I don't got a problem with you. <laughs> Cowboy Dude goes, you touch me again, you will have a problem with me. And he marched the guy right out of the crowd. And I'm sitting there just watching this. Like, I stopped sharing the gospel. I'm just like, what is going on? And my buddy Mike Stockwell is all the way in the back of this crowd of like 250, 300 people. And he's like, preach the gospel. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, I want to be able to appeal to the crowd. And a big part of that is that I never tried to judge them. Now, people will always say, you're judging me. And I always ask the question, right, they made a claim. I ask different questions. One of the questions I often ask, is it wrong to judge? They say yes. I say, do you think I'm wrong? They say yes. I say, then why are you judging me? <laughs> they usually don't get that. 
I have a thing I often do is they'll say, judging is wrong. I don't think judging is wrong. I'm married. And I wait. They go, what? Yeah, I judged a whole bunch of women inappropriate for me to marry and one, one that I was going to marry. See, that's a judgment, isn't it? We judge all the time without thinking about it. The question is not about judging. The question is about the standard. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we are not to judge. And you, maybe you're thinking, wait, no, no. Matthew 7, 21, judge not. Never read a Bible verse. Read the context. Judge not lest you be judged, for in the same manner that you judge others, you will be judged. The issue is not the judging, it's the standard. In fact, John chapter 7, 21, Jesus Christ commands you to judge. Actually, uh, John 7, 24, sorry, quoted that wrong. That in the Greek is an imperative. Judge with a righteous judgment. We're not to judge outwardly, but with a righteous judgment. So I want to use the law because the law is a righteous judgment. It's the most righteous judgment. It is the absolute standard that we will all be judged by is what God says. We get that law from his nature. Okay? Now, what I like to do with folks is I like to go through the Ten Commandments. I don't need to go through many of them to show them how they, whether they're a sinner. Now, I came about this. Uh, what I'm going to give you it comes mostly from Ray Comfort. If, you, if you're familiar with Ray, you're going to see he uses humor. He asks questions. He's polite. And he uses the law. So he, he practices everything I teach. But, and actually, I, I, I started the, to ask questions many years ago. Back even when I was in college, I used to try to ask questions because I found that it got me from being defensive. But I didn't always, I didn't formulate it until, well, that day when I was on the ledge with the guy with the chromosomes. <laughs> That's when I decided this is the only way I'm going to be doing this. But the reality is this. What you end up seeing with the outline, and that's what the, I'm going to give you, an outline known as the good person test using the law. It's an outline. It's not something you do line by line. What's the difference? We used to do in my church, we used to go door to door, and we had this thing that the Southern Baptists came up with. And they, I think they called it faith. And you had, you'd take your hand out to remember the five points of the gospel. You know, the, and, and you know, one was F for forgiveness and there was A, and they had this whole acronym. Clearly, I remember it all, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just went door to door. Uh, I knew the five points. I didn't need an acronym. But I was, we were at a door, and, and one time, here's this mother. She opens the door, and one of the people on the team is sharing the gospel. It's, you know, we take turns who, who gets to share the gospel. And <clears throat> here's the mother. Mother's like, can I, you know, hello, can I help you? And the person sharing the gospel is like, we're from Manual Bible Church. We are just here to to you know, share with you some news. Uh, would you be interested? And she was just like, uh, uh, okay. But you could tell she wasn't really interested, right? What was she interested? She was interested in the like three, four-year-old that was behind her. <laughs> and here's this person just going, well, she's not even looking at the woman. You know, there's this, there's this, there's this. Not even engaging with the person. She, she had a presentation, not a conversation. And that wasn't going so well. She got done with the presentation. It was like, okay, that's done. What do you think? 
she wasn't listening. She kept going, doing this every time because the person sharing the gospel was looking at her hand. The person at the door was looking at her daughter. It, that's the difference between a, a conversation and a presentation. An outline is a presentation. You know, in that situation, I asked the lady, I'm like, oh, how old's your daughter? And she brings the daughter out to us. Now the daughter's there. It's amazing how the daughter like, was better behaved when she's sitting right in front of mom <laughs> and there's people she doesn't know at the door. And then we were able to share the gospel again differently. But the point being is I want you to realize it is an outline that Living Waters provides. It's not something that you have to get in a certain order and do it this way. And, and it's okay if you ask a couple of the questions and the conversation goes somewhere else for 20 minutes and then you come back. That's okay because it's a conversation, not a presentation. If you're there just to present, they don't actually need to be there and they usually tune out halfway through. That's why back and forth, okay? And so the thing is, is what we do with using the law is, and the reason I liked it is when I became a Christian, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but you Christians talk funny. You have this weird language that you think everyone understands. Let me present this, how this works with weird language. I was going door to door with a friend of mine, Bernie. Knocks on the door. Person opens the door. Hi, we're from Emmanuel Bible Church, and we're just in the neighborhood seeing if people, you know, have any knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. And, you know, do you have any church background? The guy's like, no, not really. What, what, do, you, what do you want to, you know, talk about? He's like, well, do you know that you're a sinner? And the guy's like, Okay, what's this about? Well, you need to be shed in the, you need to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ if you want to have his righteousness. Boom! Door went slamming shut, right? And I'm like, Bernie, what are you saying? He's like, what? That's biblical language. I'm like, what is this guy thinking? If he hasn't grown up in church, he's like, washed in blood, you're some cult, get out of here. Right? Christians have this lingo. We have it in Judaism. Like, you know, anywhere, Muslims have the same thing. They all get the, the language that they know. And the reality is, is all of us have this lingo that we talk. And Christians have this language that we'll speak. And even though it may be biblical language, people don't actually understand it. I'll give you one, totally off base, but it's a pet peeve of mine. Jesus is the Son of God. Is that true? See, some of you are going, I don't know, he just said it's a pet peeve, so there's a trick in here. See, in our culture, they don't think of Son of God, meaning that it is a title of deity. They think it means he's some offspring. So when I go and evangelize, I always say that God himself came to earth as a man, the man we know, Jesus Christ, and died. And people will correct me, no, 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 Jesus was the Son of God, he isn't God because they don't understand the language. So I don't use the language son of God. Why? It's confusing. I had a hard time, and it started all the way back when I was in college, sharing the gospel with people, because I did not know when I would say the biblical language will all sin fall short of the glory of God, and you're a sinner, and they would say, what does that mean? Now, most of the time they were asking that because they, not that they don't know what a sinner is. We kind of know vaguely what a sinner is. But you see, when you do that, it ends up being a thing where people don't really recognize the specifics of a sinner because a sinner is something we all are. And people will group it that way. 
So what I, what I learned from Living Waters was, I, I mean, I used to use the law, but I didn't do it the same way that they did it. Because what I realized is that you can go through the law of God and help people see what a sinner is and make it personal to them. That's what you want to do. You want them to realize they, themselves, that individual person is accountable to God. Not just that they're part of a whole humanity that is accountable, but they themselves. And so what I will do often is I will ask them uh, the things of, of the good person test. <coughs> Excuse me. Now I'm going to give them bad news. I'm going to tell them things they don't want to know. But the bad news has to precede the good news. You see, it's, it, it, we live in a culture that doesn't want to talk about like the wrath of God and that people are sinners. But if you do not understand God's wrath against wicked people, then you do not understand how great the gospel of grace is. It's in that contrast that you see how wonderful grace is. If you remove sin and punishment and God's wrath, you remove most of the beauty of the gospel. You see, then it's the grace isn't really grace. It's, well, I think I'm a good person anyway. This is, okay, I'm going to upset some people. Maybe I hope not. You're under good preaching, so here at the church, so probably not. But if you believe in like the gospel tract that says God has a wonderful plan for your life, think about that. To the unbeliever, what is that wonderful plan? Ooh, I get to spend eternity in a lake of fire. Woohoo! Doesn't sound so wonderful. You see, we have a gospel message in America today that wants to praise the goodness. But you know what? If they don't understand the badness, they're not going to turn to a Savior. If they don't know that they're under God's judgment, they're not going to look for a Savior. I wasn't looking for a Savior as a Jewish kid. Why? I thought I was God's chosen people. I actually said to Chuck, Chuck, I'm God's chosen people. I'm in like Flynn. I thought my Judaism was saving me because that's what I was taught. No, it wasn't until I saw a need, till I got the bad news, that I realized I needed a Savior. And it's in light of that that I realized how wonderful that is. You know why I really don't like when people say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? I don't like it because unbelievers believe it. I don't know how many times I have shared the gospel with people, and they will say, well, God loves me. It doesn't mean he loves you as you are. He loves you in the sense that he's giving you grace. He's given, he, the rain has rained on you just as much as on me. You've gotten the benefits of his, his common grace. I'll grant you that. That doesn't mean he loves you the way he loves his children. You're still his enemy. You see, they think they don't have to turn because God loves me as I am. That's what they believe. I've had so many people say, well, God has a wonderful plan for my life. I usually say, well, if you think of it like a fire is wonderful, okay. You see, people believe the message. I, I actually talk about the fact that I think there is a false gospel of God is love. Where God is love and we ignore that he is also wrath. He is also holy. He is also just. We can't take one attribute and rip it apart from the others. And by the way, you never hear God being called love, love, love. That's not what the angels sing about him, is it? No, in Isaiah 6, they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
Holy means to be separate. God is separated from sin. He is not going to sit there and say, oh, well, you can do whatever you want, and I'll accept you as you are. And, and people need to know that because so much of our culture has convinced them that God loves them as they are, and they don't need to do anything to change. And that is the reason so many people aren't looking to get saved. Let me tell you something. It is not very difficult to get someone saved. It really isn't. The hard part is getting them lost. They don't realize they're lost. They think they're good enough to go to heaven. Now, I'm saying that, and we all know theologically, right? God does all the saving. Jim's looking at me like, <laughs> his Calvinist hat was going up. <laughs> right? God does the work, but the point being is the people we're speaking to don't even see that they have a need for a Savior, and that's what the law does, okay? So we, we take this from James 4, that we give law to the proud and grace to the humble. Okay, if you have someone that is being very proud, you do not sit there and say, oh, let me share you about the grace, because they don't see the need yet. Now, this is going to be one of the stories I share where someone else did something stupid, so it wasn't me this time. But a buddy of mine, Chad Williams, uh, we're out at Huntington Beach, and he's up on the box, and he's proclaiming the gospel, and this guy is just... You know, he's just being so rude and aggressive. And Chad just turns to the guy and goes, I was going to give you the gospel today, but no gospel for you. Nope, you're not getting the gospel. And the guy walked off. And when Chad got done preaching, I was like, dude, what was that? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, I just felt like I was throwing my pearl, uh, pearls before swine. And I just, I don't know why I said it. And just as we're discussing this, the guy comes over. Very different demeanor. He looked and said, why won't you share the gospel with me? And Chad goes, now I will. Totally different demeanor. When he was proud, I mean, Chad gave him the law. But when he came back, humbled, he got grace. To this day, I still don't know why Chad did that. <laughs> But the, the thing is, is that we use the law as a standard for us to, to compare. Why is that so helpful? Because when I turn to someone and I say, have you ever told a lie? They answer yes. Now, I'm not judging them. They've judged themselves. And I can always appeal to that. So I'm going to go through with the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to ask them, have you, ever, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever looked with lust? Why that one? Because I'm going to ask... because. God says that we should uh, to not commit adultery. But, he, but Jesus said, if you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever murdered someone? People always say no. Well, usually. And so what ends up happening is that we end up having where we have people who don't always say no to that, but they usually say no. And I say, well, have you ever been angry with someone? And then I'll tell them that Jesus said, if you're angry with someone, he's going to judge that as murder heart. I said, God's standard is so high, he judges our heart, not just our actions. If we're even angry with someone, he judges that as murder of the heart. Now, in New Jersey, you can't drive on the roads without getting angry, okay? Just 
So it's kind of a guarantee if I'm in Jersey or New York City, they have to admit yes. And if they don't, I just say, do you drive around here? <laughs> I usually like to have some fun with it because once they say they're angry with someone, I, right? I want to use humor. So, so I have a quirky thing that I say. I say it all the time. I'm sick of saying it, but this is the first time they have ever heard it. They'll say, I'll say, have you ever been angry with someone? They say no. I go, I, they say yes. And I go, well, I hope not with me right now. And they go, no, 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 not with you, because they're enjoying the conversation. But it's just a stupid thing I do, but it's always trying to keep that conversation lighthearted so that the gospel could be heard. <clears throat> now, there was one time that someone did say yes to the question, have you ever committed murder? Now, let me explain this. I was in the mall, and we're, we would set up there. We'd hand out tracts, and this guy comes up to me, and I just handed him a tract, and I said, hey, I want to test to see if you're a good person. Are you up for that? He says, yeah. I said, uh, so <clears throat> are you a good person? He said, I am an awesome person. Okay, can I test it? Go right ahead. Have you ever told a lie? Yes, I have. What would you, that make you? Human? Okay, if I lied to you, what would you call me? Liar? They do it all the time. If they don't say human, they say sinner. So I say, well, and you heard the guy last night, right? Sometimes good, sometimes bad. That was the first. Yeah. So I say, okay, what, why is it so easy for you to call me a liar, but it was hard for you to call yourself one? I, I always point that out because what it is is that they don't want to judge themselves. They don't want to make this personal, and I want them to realize they're not just part of humanity. They themselves are a liar. Just, it's easy for them to call me that. Right? We, we know that. That's what Jesus says. Right? We can, we can have a, a spot a toothpick in someone's eye when we have a beam in our own. Right? We don't see the beam, but oh, look at that. And so... I got to the next question. I said, have you, have you ever murdered anyone? He said, yes. Key. Um, sometimes people don't understand the difference of murder and killing. So I said, you wouldn't happen to be in the military or police officer? And he goes, they weren't legal killings. <laughs> um, <laughs> killings, plural. And I, I got nervous. I'm like, how do I maneuver this conversation? Because I'm nervous now. I'm starting to get defensive, but nothing to do with the gospel. <laughs> and I just, I thought of this and I just went, hey, can we go back to that very first question I asked you, whether you're a good person? You said awesome. And literally he goes, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. <laughs> I'm agreeing tentatively. <laughs> Right, I'm a little nervous. And, and so the reality is, is that we end up seeing that if we walk through the law of God, it becomes a way that we're not judging them. We, we let them have a standard where they can judge themselves. And that's what I want to do. Now, sometimes you get people that lie to you. I've only had two people that claim they never broke any of the Ten Commandments. One was a Muslim woman with her two sons there. I understand why she can't. You know, she, because within Islam, she has to put up the front. But I think she knew she was lying. But the better one was this young kid. Now, I used to go to the mall, and this guy used to have a sign that says, if you could pass the good person test, you get $20. I hated that sign. Because I always said, someone is going to lie to you and tell you they've kept all of them. Well, I had that happen. Had this young kid, and we'd always have the kids in the malls because they would just you know, go to the malls every weekend because they have nothing else to do. And so uh, they, they knew the good person test. They knew I was going to go through the commandments. So I have this young man come up, 
Have you ever lied? Nope. Not ever? Never. Have you ever stolen anything in your life? Not at all. You never cheated on a test? Nope. You've never coveted for something. You've never wanted something you didn't have? Nope. Have you always honored God in everything you've ever done? Yep. You, okay. You, you've, you've honored the Sabbath? You always had a day set aside to, you know, worship God? Yep. Now, I took a chance. A woman came up from behind him, and I took a chance. So I just said, have you always honored your father and mother? Like, your parents never had to give you instructions twice? He said, yep, I've always honored them. Boom! <laughs> I said, something tells me that's your mother, and you just lied. <laughs> My $20 was safe. <laughs> I got through nine of the Ten Commandments before she walked up. <laughs> and so basically what we do is we go through the Ten Commandments. All right? So when we look at them, have no other gods before me. Okay? And by the way, if you're Catholic, if you grew up Catholic, this is going to be a different ordering. Okay? I'll give you where they split this. Uh, have no other gods before me. Okay? That we're supposed to put God first and foremost. This is a good one to use when people say that they're not that bad of a sinner. They think their sins are not so bad. People will often tell me, well, I'm not, I'm not a murderer. I don't, you know, I don't do really bad things. It's just a few things. I had this with my uncle. My uncle was very interesting. I was going out to Shepherd's Conference one year, and I stayed with my uncle. And um, my, my uncle, actually, no, it wasn't Shepherd's Conference. It was one of the Living Wars things. Uh, but my uncle is, so he's Jewish. Uh, I wanted to share the gospel with him. And my uncle has this uncanny ability to end a conversation when he wants to. There is absolutely nothing you can do to continue a conversation when he decides it's over. And I, 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 my, Anthony Silvestro came with me once. We, we get, every time we go to Shepherd's Conference, Anthony and I take my uncle out. We go for dinner. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm just going to let you know. My uncle will change the conversation when he's uncomfortable with it. And there will be nothing you can do. He goes, oh, I'm sure I can get it back to gospel. There's nothing you can do. Trust me. Anthony took the challenge after dinner. He's like, you are right. He's just a master at that. <laughs> So my uncle's sitting there, and he, he actually brought it up. I want to share the gospel with him. He's like, it's like, hey, have you, the greetings, we sit down. First thing he says, so, you know, I, I'm glad that you're here. I've always wanted to ask you, what's this whole thing with the Christianity? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? So I start sharing the gospel with him. I go through the law. And he basically says, you know what? I'm not that bad of a person, though. I don't think, I mean, yeah, I've, I've done some things, but I'm really not that bad. I said, well, you know, have you ever thought about that first and greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. If you think about this, I'm, let me just ask you, how many times a day do you think you make a decision? An average person makes between ten to 20,000 decisions a day. So I said, let's be conservative and say 10,000. He goes, okay. I said, how many of them can you honestly say you're making just because you love God and putting him first? He's like, maybe a thousand. I think he's being way too generous. But fine, we'll be conservative. I said, okay, so 9,000 times 365 days a year times the 70 years you've been alive. And that's about as far as I got before he said, well, time for bed. <laughs> but that's a great way of showing someone how heavy the sin is. This first one, every, every decision we make, I mean, did you put your shoes on this morning thinking, I want to glorify God? 
I mean, and this is a Jewish mindset, by the way. This is where it's different. We look at Jewish people, and they're, we look at them with their legalism, and they look at us as being so nonchalant that we would just go throughout our day not thinking about God. Had, had a coffee cake in a rabbi's house, and this was, that was the discussion. He couldn't believe that I could say a prayer once before a meal, and that would be like covered. Because we had to have a prayer before we had the tea. We had to have tea before the cake. Had the cake, had a prayer before the cake. Had a prayer in the middle of the cake. Had to have a prayer after we finished the cake and a prayer after we were done with our tea. So we had to have five prayers. He's like, and you just would have one. Yeah, this is the way not to say it. I turned to him and said, well, actually, I really technically don't need any. I don't need to pray for the meal. You know, I'm not legalistic that way, which is kind of saying that he was, so that wasn't maybe the best thing to say to him. <laughs> but see, he looks at, he was looking at me and saying, you are, you're just so careless with your Christianity. <clears throat> and we Jews, we wouldn't be. He said, we shouldn't be careless. And he's the one that brought up the first commandment. He says, don't you know that everything we do should be because there are no other gods. We should be putting God first and foremost. This is where the Catholics, they dropped this one. Anyone have a guess why? Having no idols. Yeah, you can always tell in, in my neighborhood, the Catholic houses, there's Mary. You know? They have all their idols. They're, they're saints. And I shared a little bit about my family. When my parents were having trouble selling their house, they actually put, I guess, a St. Thomas, if you put him upside down in front of your, your doorstep, you sell the house. They did that. I'm like, excuse me, What? My mother's telling me, yeah, we, we put a statue of St. Thomas under the front door. Okay. And now they sold their house, and they're like, it must have been the statue. Okay. <clears throat> Don't use the Lord's name in vain. This is actually what caused the fist fight with my father. Uh, he, he sent me an email asking me to no longer put my signature on my emails that would have a, a Bible verse. <clears throat> And uh, he was offended by that, so I wanted to talk to him about using the, the name of my Lord and Savior for his foul language. Have you ever had anyone say, oh, Hitler? Mussolini! No! I mean, people don't even name their dogs Mussolini. Right? But Jesus could be mocked all the time. Anytime you stub your toe, use his name. He'll use God's name in vain all the time. The God that put breath in your lungs. I like how uh, Ray did a thing where he, he asked it this way. It's a great way to illustrate this. This is what I tried with my father. I thought I was being so tactful with this. I said, Dad, <clears throat> would you be willing to like, if you pay for a movie where they purposely use mom's name as foul language? My dad was like, what are you getting at? <laughs> because the part is, people are going to be like, no, I would never do that. I would never pay for a movie where they're using the name of someone I love as foul language. Right? It helps people to understand when you make it personal. My dad, we couldn't get there. He's like, where, where are you getting at? <clears throat> so I just told him, well, I, I love Christ and... You know, that's about as far as I got before he stood up and squared off. Um, so the Sabbath, people have differing views on the Sabbath. I just did a podcast on the Sabbath. I have kind of a different view than most Christians. 
because I believe there is a Sabbath, but it is not like the Sabbath of the Old Testament. I think on the sixth day, uh, after the sixth day, the seventh day, God rested as a pattern for us to work six days and to rest, to have a day we worship Him. <clears throat> I do not hold to it the way the Presbyterians do or some Reformed Baptists do, uh, where you can't go to a restaurant and you can't work and you can't do things. Um, I was glad I was preaching at a, at a Presbyterian church, and um, I was so glad I had this habit of stopping at Dunkin' Donuts and getting some coffee on the way in. And um, I was so glad because the pastor was was teaching, and then I would preach, and he was teaching in the, in the, about the Sabbath on Sunday, and he said that if you go to like a Dunkin', and he used Dunkin' Donuts as his example, if you go to Dunkin' Donuts, you're you're forcing people to 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 serve you and slave after you, and you're making them break the Sabbath. And it's such a sin. I'm so glad I didn't bring my coffee in that day. Honor thy father and mother. Remind people that when your parents had to instruct you a second time to clean your room or do something, you weren't honoring them at that time. If you're going to completely honor your, your parents, they ask you once and you do it dutifully. None of us do that. Now, there is a difference between do not kill and do not murder. Okay, there is a distinction within Scripture between murder and killing. Okay, and so what you have is killing can be in self-defense. Killing can be in in defense of a of a, a nation. Murder is when you're taking someone's life for your own personal reasons, where it is not defense. And so that shall not murder. But again, what does Christ say? If you're angry with someone, you're committed murder in your heart. Adultery. Now, people may not commit adultery, and people may not understand that when we say don't commit adultery, they think, well, it's okay because I'm not married. So all the people I sleep with, that's fine. No. Jesus made it even higher, and this is why I always say to people, when you use the law, say, God's standard is so high, he judges not just our actions, but our heart. He judges our motives. So we can't even lust after someone. By the way, whenever I speak with someone that practices homosexuality, my way of dealing with it, because they think I'm going to judge them, I always put myself on the same level. I'll ask them this. I'll say, you know, do you lust, if I'm talking to a male, do you lust after men? Yes, I do. Okay, I lust after women. So let me ask you, we both commit the same exact sin. So if God was to judge us, he would say both of us are adulterers. That's how I word it. I never put myself above them. I'm just judging them. Even though they have a, a very warped, lust, um, it's still lust, and it's still sin. So I can go at that level. So I could say, well, you're a liar, and I'm a liar. We both deserve hell. We're both liars. You see, I'm always going to put myself at, at that level, okay? Uh, do not steal. Okay, if you're talking to anyone that's under 40, and they say they haven't stolen, ask to see their phone. Music off the internet? Yikes. I don't know how many people tell me they have not stolen. I ask them, music off the internet, and they go, yes. <laughs> Only one person said no to me. He was a musician. Um, <laughs> stealing a grade in school. That would be stealing. Thou shalt not lie. We make these distinctions, as you saw in the video last night, right? The woman is a, just a white lie. Now, I hope Rich doesn't commit blue lies. You know what a blue lie is? Okay, so this is an Asian thing. A blue lie is when the state 
is allowed to lie, law enforcement's allowed to lie to arrest you because they know you're guilty even if there's no evidence. Hey, communism is great. Come to Jersey. No. Um, <laughs> don't worry. We're going to spread it to the rest of you. <laughs> uh, the, people make excuses of lies. That's just a little white lie. I had one person, everyone hats the lie. Really? Lying is to protect your own self-interest. Do not covet. Now, this is where Catholics split this one. They have do not covet and do not covet your neighbor's wife because they got to come up with 10 and they don't want to talk about the idols. <laughs> so <clears throat> what you end up seeing is that when we go through this, you see that people will you, using the Ten Commandments avoids you being the judge. You don't have to be the one to sit there and judge them. You can let the law of God do that for you. Pastor Jim is going, I wish I had those cars. Um, so what's the advantage of that? It is because you can always appeal to the fact that you're not the one judging. You're letting them judge themselves. So the way that if you go through the good person test um, that, that Ray has, and if you get that flash drive, you'll end up seeing, I mean, you'll see it over and over and over until till it does become something you memorize. But basically, just you go through it and ask them, are they a good person? Everyone wants to praise them, their own goodness. And you just say, can I test that? They always say yes, because they just said, they're, excuse me, they're good. And just say, have you ever lied? Yes. What does that make you? They often don't say liar unless you say, you know, have you told a lot of lies? <laughs> or if you ask, what do you call me if I, am, if I lied to you? But you, what does it make him? You get them to say a liar. Okay. Okay, have you ever stolen anything? What does that make you? They, they'll sometimes say a stealer, in which case you can let them know that's a football team in Pittsburgh. Um, then they say a thief. Right? That's the use of humor. So a thief. And they'll say a thief. I go, no, a lying thief. I want them really understanding this. Now they'll sometimes say, well, just because I told one lie doesn't mean I'm a liar. How many times have you lied? If they still press that one, you could just ask, how many times does someone have to murder someone to be a murderer? How many times does someone have to rape someone to be a rapist? You only have to lie once to be a liar. And by the way, Scripture says all liars have their place in a lake of fire. Yikes. That includes all of us. No one's out. So you can go through any of the commandments that you feel comfortable with. Now, I do not ask women if they've ever committed adultery as a general rule. Okay? For, for guys, I don't do it. For women, I suggest they don't ask men that one. Just safe to stay away from that one. Um, so I would go through them all. And when you go through them, you can just say, okay, by that standard, by the standard that God has set, would you be innocent or guilty? It's amazing how many say innocent after all that. So you have to kind of like, are you listening? Are you going through? This is the standard God's going to judge you by. They'll say guilty. And two questions that are very important are, would you be innocent or guilty? And when they finally say guilty, that, that's one that usually gets the conversation from being humorous and enjoyable to convicting. That's where I start to sometimes see a change. The other question is, when they finally say they're guilty, I will ask them. I will say it this way. Because I, <clears throat> I want them to see the severity of it. I'll say, 160,000 people are going to die today. 
1.92 people every second. If you were one of the 160,000 that were going to die today, another 160,000 are going to die tomorrow, another 160,000 day after that, if you were one of the 160,000 that were going to die today and you face God by that standard where you've admitted to being guilty, would you deserve heaven or hell? Not which do you want. We both want heaven. Which do we deserve? That is the question I ask that gets more serious reaction than any other. That's when they start to realize, wow, this is, this is serious. And sometimes that's where you can really start to now share the gospel. By the way, when you do share the gospel, <clears throat> make sure that you point out that Jesus died, <clears throat> was buried, and rose again. Don't leave him in the grave. <laughs> See, the fact that a dead man rose himself from the dead, dead men don't do anything, they rot. He rose from the dead vindicating that he was God. And so what I want to do is give you um, Dutch, because Dutch was just great. And I want to show you how this works out, uh, basically how I go through this. And you can see, you'll see that Dutch is not offended. He's not feeling that I'm judging him. Why? I'm keeping the humor. I'm keeping it lighthearted. I'm keeping it polite. I'm asking questions. And my questions I'm asking are the law of God. I want to give you a quick test. Have you ever told a lie? You have. What would that make you? A liar. A liar. Have, well, okay. What would you say? And a sinner? Yeah. yeah. It's actually interesting because most people, Dutch, this is what they do. They, if I ask them what does it make them, they'll say a human, a sinner, or a bad person. They won't say liar. And then what I'll do is I'll ask them if I lied to them, what would they call me? And what's that? Okay. I don't get what that is. No cheaters, the Seahawks. Not cheaters. <laughs> is, it, is that reference to, 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 to uh, inflating footballs or something? I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Most people, if I asked them if I lied to them, what would they call me? It's amazing how fast they call me a liar. Because what that is, is they can recognize what others do, but then we justify what we do. Yeah. Right? You notice that, people? So let me ask you, have you ever stolen anything in your life? When I was young, yes. When you were young, what would that make you? A thief actually make you a lying thief. Right. <laughs> well, when he started lying, so he was a thief first. Well, oh, maybe he could be a thieving liar. You have a good point there. Right. <laughs> okay, so Dutch, have you, have you ever murdered somebody? You sure? Sure. Okay. Have you ever been angry with somebody? Yes. All right. See, I'm from New Jersey. I drive in New York. You cannot get on the roads of New Jersey and New York and not be mad on the roads. It's just kind of like a law, you know? That's why you don't live in New Jersey. Good point. Most people, when they drive through New Jersey and New York, they want to see how fast they can get through it. <laughs> right? So here's the thing. What I'm doing is I'm giving you the, the God's law of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Dutch, you think you're pretty good on the last one, right? Except for this. God says that he judges our heart, not our actions. He says if we're even angry with someone, he judges that as murder of the heart. He says if we look at, at someone with lust... He judges that as adultery of the heart. That's how high his standard is. So, by that standard, you've admitted to being a lying, thieving, murderer at heart. <laughs> now, I've broken all ten of the Ten Commandments, okay, by, by that standard, because I've uh, committed adultery of the heart and committed murder of the heart. I said I drive in New Jersey, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. By that standard, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? By that standard, I'd be guilty. Okay. That's, that's By that standard.
Okay, so you see how I'm able to go through that. It, it doesn't take very long. That was a two-minute clip. That's how long it could take to, to go through the good person test and help someone see uh, their, their need for a savior. Um, and, and notice, you know, she was, the, the wife, um, sorry, the wife was uh, a couple times, she's, she's like, well, it depends how long ago he started lying. <laughs> she was the one more willing to try to justify some things. Um, and so the, the thing is, is that what you end up finding is when you have conversations uh, like this, you, you end up navigating them where you're disarming their defenses, where they're not, you know, they're not feeling uncomfortable in the conversation. You're not feeling uncomfortable in the conversation. They're not accusing you of judging them. And the, the conversation doesn't have that anxiety. Now, the thing is, is, you know, if you think about this, we spent last night, two sessions today, talking about just overcoming that fear. We spent a little bit about sharing how to, how to share the, the gospel message and the, and the fact that we, I'm going to take for granted that you guys know what the gospel message is. Right, But the thing is this, when we look at stuff like this, I want you to recognize the fact that if you maneuver the conversation, the biggest problem people have in evangelizing is not sharing the gospel. That's not the problem. The problem people have is in the fact that we're uncomfortable with the conversation. We have a fear. We have anxiety. If we get over that, the rest of it gets a lot easier. Now, what we're going to end up doing is we're going to have a Q&A. After the Q&A, uh, I'm going to do what's called a spiritual transition game. I'm going to explain it. So the, the young adults, not kids, um, <laughs> are going to pass out some uh, uh, note cards for you guys to ask questions. And so any, any questions that you have, again, uh, any of the hard ones we're going to give to Pastor Jim. <clears throat> oh, oh, was that not? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to end up, um, are we doing, we're going to take the break though, right? Yeah.